0: So maybe you're now asking yourself, why China? Um, how did I end up in China? Why did I choose China uh, when there are so many places that one could go to? I picked up this picture of a Chinese restaurant and this is where my story starts. So in Zimbabwe, there was a Chinese restaurant that opened next to my house and I used to frequent this place uh, every Friday with my family, but the problem was when we get there, it will take us hours to try and order food. Why? Because they were not speaking English and we were not speaking Chinese. So it will take forever, but their food was good, but it will take forever. So I started asking myself, How do I learn this language? How do I communicate with these people? They've got what I want, but we're just not understanding each other. So, in Zimbabwe during that time, there was what was called the Look East policy, where Zimbabwe and China were strengthening their ties, you know, politically, business, trade, and stuff. And All these Chinese people were flocking into Zimbabwe to start up businesses. So uh, University of Zimbabwe also started up a Confucius Institute in partnership with the university in China uh, to teach Chinese at the University of Zimbabwe. So I signed up to go and study Chinese. I was in the pioneer class, but for me, it was not to move to China. Like I said, it was for me to be able to communicate with my restaurant. (laughs) Um, So, But then at the end of the year, when we finished um, studying Chinese, uh, they decided to take us on a cultural exchange into China. So I went to China for the first time in 2007. Now, Just like anybody, I think most of you, maybe if you've never traveled to China, you might have lots of stereotypes about what China is like or Chinese people, or maybe based on what you've had before. So when I left Zimbabwe, my stereotypes were not these that I'm showing you. The stereotype that I had with China was based on what I'd seen in my country. Now in my country, the Chinese uh, shops were selling cheap stuff. Like, you know, something that you buy, maybe wear two days it to be torn and, and stuff. So things that would not last. Mm-hmm. So I had that mindset of like, China must be cheap. China has fake things. So when I left Zimbabwe going to China, my, view of China was a place with fake things, a place with cheap things. So I didn't expect anything better than that. It was more like fake, fake, fake. That's, that's what I had in my, in my mind. But when I got to China, I'll tell you, I was shocked because I did not see the fake. Right. I did not see the cheap things. All I saw was quality. Right. I was shocked even with the amount of building that they were doing, the development that was happening. I was really shocked. And I started asking myself, so why are they bringing cheap things to Africa? You right. know, Because I couldn't find them anywhere. I couldn't find, all those things that they were coming to sell to us were not there. All I was met with was beauty. And I was like, wow, I was really shocked. So I started to change like, oh, so when I was back home, I thought this country was like this, but it's not this way. And I became curious during that time of our exchange program. I started moving around to actually see what other opportunities were there or that I could find. And I tell you, there were so many opportunities. I don't want to lie. I saw a whole lot of things that I could do back home. You know, in Africa, we do, we've got problems of power. I could see, you know, the solar. I, I saw so many things, agricultural equipment, I was like overwhelmed with so many things that I started thinking I had come just for cultural exchange, but I became like to say, you know what? Since they are bringing bad things, I think I should take quality. You know, this is what I should take from here to go back home. So I managed to um, get into uh, Guangzhou. I, I don't know maybe if uh, some of you have been to, to, to Guangzhou before or if you've heard about Guangzhou. Um, I then went and I bought some suits um, just like Abdul is wearing here. Um, I, I managed to get really high quality suits and shirts and stuff. And I think I bought about 30 pairs of suits, 30 pairs of shirts and shoes. And then I went back to Zimbabwe at a bank. I actually went to the bank. I went to the ministers, the politicians, just to try. And then, you know, they started buying. So I started coming back and forth to China just to buy clothes and going back home and selling clothes. And then I went into electronics, uh, Mm. cell phones, computers, and, you know, traveling back and forth. Then in... um, most of you maybe who know Zimbabwe in 2008 with elections and business just went down. So I decided to move to China in 2009, like to come and stay here and try and venture into uh, businesses because I was now thinking, okay, um, most people can't afford to come to China. So if I set a base here, and be the one who's connecting them with since I was speaking Chinese I could try and help them buy things and then send them so I had all these ideas that I had I also had an idea of um opening sort of like a hotel or a lodge whereby Africans when they come to China they'll come and stay at my place and I'll cook for them so those were the ideas that I had but when um I moved to the city Guangzhou. Uh, Guangzhou is the capital of Guangdong province and is the largest industrial and commercial hub in China. So anything that you see written, made in China, it's actually, most of it comes from this province in in Guangdong. So this is where I went and I set myself up and, tried to start a business but it didn't turn out you know the way that i had so (laughs) i started seeing the challenges you know when you have all these ideas and stuff i i started noticing oh it was really hard to register a company in china Um, It was really hard to start up all these things that I wanted to do, but now I was already here. So I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And then people started telling me, oh, you can venture into teaching or you can find a job. So I was like, okay. I'm qualified, I when I came here I had my bachelor's degree only when I moved to China so I was like okay I think my bachelor's degree should work and I started looking for jobs and nothing nothing (laughs) and then I went into teaching people told me okay you can teach English I'm like all right let's see so I tried to look for the requirements for teaching and it was a bachelor's degree and a TESOL certificate so I did that TESOL certificate and then I started looking for a job but then they were like they wanted native English speakers Now, I'm from Zimbabwe. I'm from Africa. And when I was applying for jobs, this is what I could hear. Sorry, you're Black. Oh, sorry, you're African. Sorry, you're fat. Sorry, you don't have the face we want. Sorry, the parents don't want a Black teacher. Now, understand me, you know, when I came in here, I was at hype. I was on cloud nine. I mean, and also, you know, Zimbabwe advertising, China that, you know, we are partners. Mm-hmm. So they made it seem like it was easy that you'd come here, everything you, you know, it would be easy to get a job or China is our friend I can apply for a job or get it. But that was not it. This, this, the relationship that was there was government to government. It still had not spilled down to the Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So the people were still seeing or still do see me as black and still see me as African. And they don't expect an African to be able to speak English. And when they think of Africa, they think of a jungle. They think of those kids that you see in those NGO posters with children with flies Mm -hmm. all over their faces. So they don't see you as someone who can teach their children because they regard you as coming from that background. Mm -hmm. So this became really hard for me. But then I managed to to get a job. So I moved from Guangzhou and then I went to Beijing, uh, which is the capital city. And I managed to get a job as a preschool teacher. And they offered me accommodation, the free lunch and the visa. And the salary was, um, those of you in the UK, it was about 615 pounds per month. Now for me, I was like, okay, I don't mind. Um, for starters let me do this because they were paying for my accommodation I had my visa and stuff but then later on you know when I was working and then I started to realize that oh the other teachers were actually being paid three times more than myself and then I asked why why am I getting this and the answer still goes back oh Sammy but you're black but you're african and then i decided not nah, if that not know if it, this is the way i quit so i quit this job and then i moved to another school now in this school they say to me oh for us to hire you you have to lie to the parents because they don't want someone from africa you have to say you're from england or you're from the states or you're from canada so um, they said, I should say I was from England. Now I took the job, but then this was not okay for me because when I was working there, I was so good and parents were complimenting me and stuff. But then they start saying, oh, that teacher from England is good. And then that didn't go down well with me. So I decided, no, 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 no. Why should I lift England's flag high oh when mine is down? <laughs> so I decided no. So we had uh, a, a, an end-of-year event at <laughs> at school, and then we were as teachers. They asked us to prepare um, Christmas carols. You know the way you do it in your country. So, all these teachers went on stage, they sang a Christmas carol. And then I went on stage and then I I said, A Christmas carol in Zimbabwe? Nah, (laughs) you know? So I decided to sing a Zimbabwean song. And then I told the parents, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm from Zimbabwe. (laughs) I I want to tell you that I'm actually from Zimbabwe. And I could see, you know, the head of school when I was on stage, I could see him walk out like it was frustrated. So I got fired the following day for, 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 for saying that. So um, I got tired of all these things that were happening. I was like, OK, so teaching. Is not working for me. Uh, let me go back to school. So like I said, I came to China with just a bachelor's degree. So I applied for an MBA program and then I got accepted um, into an MBA program. So I thought maybe I go back to school, forget about the teaching. Maybe if I you know, improve or increase my education, I might find myself a good job. So... Uh, there was a program uh, which was being offered by a Spanish uh, business school uh, that had partnered with the university in China. Uh, the program was about global and markets, BRICS. So um, I got into that program and uh, we were 21 students in total. And uh, basically most of the students were from the Spanish speaking countries, Latin American countries, there were only two Chinese. And I was the only Black and African student, so you can imagine. So I came from running away from being one Black to just at school, it was the same. When I got to school, um, I was judged differently as well. They also thought of an African as someone who doesn't afford. So this MBA program was actually 90,000 euro because we're going to all the BRICS countries. And constantly and every time I'll be asked, are you on scholarship? Are you a scholarship student? Um, How did you manage to come to China? Uh, from Africa and and stuff like that. So they also didn't see me as someone who was worth to be in that MBA program. It was more like, what is this African doing here? So um, in this class, our professors were coming in from Spain every time and They'll give us intensive modules. So a professor will come stay with us for a month and go. Now, I want to highlight one professor because she is the one who changed my life. Actually, she changed everything. The Samantha that had come from Zimbabwe, she changed it and made me a totally different person. So this professor was coming to teach us what was called cultural intelligence. So she came in the first day, she had researched on where we're coming from, all of us, and she prepared beautiful videos about each country. She played uh, from Spain, how people celebrate in Spain, how people celebrate in America, in, in, in Colombia, all these countries that we had. And then it came to me, she put a Maasai video, the Maasai people chanting like (laughs) Now I said to myself, okay, I'm actually from Zimbabwe. I'm not from Kenya, but I didn't mind. I was like, hey, it's Africa because Mm -hmm. I noticed to everyone, Africa is one country. They they don't know that Africa has got so many countries. Africa is Africa. So she played that. um, And then she then also asked us about stereotypes like everyone to write stereotypes about where we come from. So all the 20 students, when it came to Africa, no one had one positive thing to say. It was diseases, AIDS, poverty, or no one said anything good about Africa. So that now started to really eat into me in that class. And this professor goes on and she says, she puts back the picture of a Maasai person and says to us, imagine, I I need you to listen to this one very carefully. (laughs) She says, imagine if I were to put this man in a car, he is likely to die of a heart attack than if I put him in a den of lions. Imagine if I put this man in a car, he would die of a heart attack. But if I put him in a den of lion, he will survive. So I raised my hand and I asked her, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that Africans, we don't know cars? Are you trying to say a Maasai person has never seen a car? And then she starts to defend, you know, like as professors, she starts to say, oh, I've been there. And then I'm like, so how did you get to those people if they've never seen a car? That day I took my things and I walked out of the class. I went back to my room. I cried for a week. I didn't go back to, um, to class because it started affecting me that, okay, I tried teaching, it's not working. I've tried going to school, this is what people think. You know, after maybe four days, I started to ask myself, Samantha, you cannot quit. But how, the question that came to me was, how can I teach these people about where I come from? How can I make them understand Africa? How can I make them understand who we are? So I decided to take a walk. I went to all the African embassies in Beijing. I knocked in their doors. I'm like, do you have anything that can show Africa in a positive way? So I collected business opportunities, you know, investment opportunities in Africa, tourist attractions, All those things, I had a bag full. So at the end of the module, we used to have a party where we'd cook together. So I decided at the end of that particular module, I brought back the things that I'd got from the embassies. And then I was like, I would love you to understand and know where I come from. And this is where I come from. So I started sharing about Africa, the other side of Africa that no one was talking about, that no one wanted to even think that exists. So uh, I then also talked to my professor, you know, in an MBA program, you've got a capstone at the end. I decided to change my capstone and actually um, try and promote Africa. So I talked to, to my other professor and my supervisor, I was like, do you mind if I change my capstone and actually focus on promoting Africa here in China? So she says to me, as long as you follow the guideline of what is needed. So I registered Appreciate Africa Network, and uh, which was a, a program or an organization which was there to educate people about Africa, African people and their culture.